Yeah. Good morning. Yes. Yeah. Hey, guys. Awesome. <laughs> Good morning. I'm so happy that you all are here. My name is Amy Miller, and you may have seen me up here before, whether it's in my singing capacity or leading prayer time or occasionally doing the sermon, maybe knitting a full scarf during the sermon. <clears throat> that was just Hi. the one time. <laughs> I'm Cindy Wagner. Um, it's an honor and privilege for me to be up here with you guys. I'm really excited. Um, first time. First time, I know. Um, usually I'm back in kids' ministry, kind of behind the scenes, or um, hosting a house church with my husband, Brian. So why did Joe ask us to lead this sermon? He already kind of praised us, and that was very, very kind, and pshaw, go on. Um, but specifically on the topic of beauty and creativity, because I have a yarn wall in our house. I was an art major. And um, I have no less than four blankets in process being knit or crocheted. So it's also, it's not just yarn wall, it's also yarn floor and yarn basket. And yeah, <laughs> I can sew and paint and um, play the piano. Yeah, we are in fact artsy crafty. <laughs> this is a glue gun, in case you didn't know. It's not loaded. It does have feathers stuck to it. <laughs> so in our house church that they host, um, a few months back, we read through N.T. Wright's, excuse me, N.T. Wright's book, um, which is called Broken. One of his many books called Broken Signposts which is right here, and it takes some concepts of the world, things like love, beauty, truth, etc., and talks about how they're pointing towards God's kingdom of heaven. So signposts, but they're broken. We experience these things, but imperfectly, or we deeply feel the need for them, but uh, we acknowledge that our human experience of them is flawed because our world is corrupted by sin and brokenness. We recognize that those things are good. We yearn for the world to be able to know God through them, but because they're broken signposts, we don't always sort of get the right directions. We're not always on the right path. So today we're gonna to talk about how beauty is a signpost that points the way to our creator, God. Beauty is something in which we recognize God and it's a reflection of him. And we're also popping creativity in there as well, because God has given us the individual human capability of creativity. He created us to be creative in his image. Creativity as our own participation in reconciling with God and his kingdom. Being human as sanctioned by God. So why don't we talk about beauty and creativity more? Because look at what's going, what, at what's going on around us. Just, just read the news, look at everything that's going on. How could we possibly talk about something so frivolous as beauty when there's so much sickness, hate, and corruption happening all around us? And there's also there's a little bit of a stereotype around the topic of beauty or creativity. It's kind of um, consigned to women's ministry, like the sort of topic that would be in a devotional that has flowers on the cover not necessarily something that dudes sit around and like, hey, Bob, how, how have you experienced beauty this week? Uh, maybe, but probably not. Um, it's not necessarily, it's considered like full of scholarly depth or whatever. But today, and you know, for the record, to that we say fooey and balderdash and like, take that. And, mm. That's how we feel about that stereotype. So 
Um, we also need to clear up something else before we go further, because the problem with having artsy crafty people um, talk on this topic is that artsy crafty is just one small component of creativity. Some people might relate to that really well, and some people are listening going, this isn't for me just yet. Um, it is. God himself was the ultimate creator. From Genesis 1 onwards, he created us in his image, and he delights in us. He has given us the power and gift of creativity as a holy quality. When used for God's glory, creativity is something that is life-giving, joy-bringing, and heaven-pointing. Consider, just think to yourself, how do you use creativity in your abilities and your interactions to bring life to yourself and to people around you? There's something so gratifying about um, holding and seeing the thing that you've created with your own hands. To hear the notes of a sheet of music create melody with your own fingertips on a keyboard, it's this sense of awe and accomplishment that allows us to physically see some of the gifts God has given us. I will say that I believe artsy, craftsy things are important. Think of the world without stories, music, movies, wedding cakes, uh, interior <laughs> designers. Um, think of the pleasure and delight that we get from reading, listening, watching, um, walking Eating. into yes, <laughs> walking into beautifully designed rooms. Um, but even though not everyone is an artist, we are all capable of creating. Yeah, I mean, just. Sit Think of kids involved, I'm sorry, think of creativity involved in kids playing together and the weird stuff they come up with when they're imagining all kinds of different scenarios in any kind of toy or craft supplies or whatever. Um, think of the way that people move their bodies in dance or athletics that make you go, I didn't know that bodies could move like that, but that's incredible. Um, think about architecture and engineering and research and mathematics and medicine. Like, my brain does not necessarily work in those ways, but they require innovation and precision and creativity in a different sort of way that makes me go, oh my gosh, because, oh, we need those people. There's also abilities that involve more sweat labor, like landscaping yeah. and gardening and like home building and car repair. Like something now has order or worth or it is usable and enjoyable because somebody said, I know how to do this and I'm going to do it. Like our patio. We just had our patio redone at home and yeah. Brian and I couldn't have done that, but the team of guys who made it happen made it beautiful and now we can use our yard and, and enjoy it more. Enjoyable and not trip overable so right. much. And yeah. <laughs> so even people-oriented skills like counseling and pastoring and teachers. Anybody who was a parent in the last 18 months, oh my gosh, teachers. You have just abundant creativity to get people in a place where their own creativity is nurtured and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so if you're a problem solver, if you're a conflict reducer, a wayfinder, you are creative. To everyone here today and watching online, creativity has everything to do with your work and the way you live your life. Whether you consider yourself to be artsy or not, creativity is necessary in our lives in that it makes us feel more alive and less alone and more fully human. And God keeps showing us glimpses of his beauty, his glory, to remind us of his promises. Despite desperate catastrophes in the world, God shows us that he has already conquered the enemy, and he has already won. 
and on a you know, tiny personal scale even, that keeps us going when we see God close to us and we can feel him nearby. Throughout the Bible, God, gives our, God guides our creativity and shows us his beauty. In Eden, the blueprint of his beautiful creation, he tells Adam to care for the garden and to give names to all the creatures. God gives instructions in Exodus for how to construct his tabernacle so he could be present with his people in the desert. And they followed that blueprint for how to, rep- how to present his temple as beautiful and royal for God the king. He gives a lot of instructions, like a lot, a lot, a lot of, of instructions, instructions <laughs> for lamps and altars and curtains and robes. And now look around this room that we're in. Yeah, like the, his people followed his instructions to say, here's where God is going to abide with us. And look at this room that we're in right now. Think of the, the craft that had to go into making the beams possible for the acoustics that are in this room, even when we don't have microphones. Think about like the hands that made each of the, I don't know if they're frescoes or just murals up here, and even like up here where you wouldn't necessarily look unless you're standing up there. All of the hands that placed, those are mosaics up here above the altar. Each little tile laid the floor and smoothed every pew. The hands that shaped the marble of the angel over here. Just like every room, he didn't give, you know, instructions for the fancy for every single place of worship. But when we're in a place like this, it helps us sort of settle in to being a part of his creativity, to being um, more open to the experience of worship. We could be in the woods right now, and it would be just as glorifying and amazingly beautiful. (sighs) So when we're filled with awe, stepping into a room like this or experiencing natural wonders, it can remind us that God, or Jesus, is God incarnate, not just like a separate guy. Jesus is God, fully God, fully human, a carpenter, if we want to talk about crafty, Um, the fulfillment of God's law and promises to his people. In the New Testament, we see Jesus doing miracles that involve creativity, turning water into wine, multiplying loaves and fishes for the hospitality hospitality of thousands and healing diseases and injuries and literally restoring life to one who was dead. Life-giving creativity pours from Jesus's being. In Broken Signposts, N.T. Wright says, John's resurrection account thus evokes an intangible sense of the word made flesh, of the holy in the midst of our world, a beauty emerging from the thing that most obviously challenges it, the horrible corruption of death itself. We see beauty, we see the beauty of resurrection, new life, new creation, in spite of the horrible experience of death. Beauty alone isn't the definition and purpose of God's promises, but when we see beauty emerge in some of the ugliest places, it's a sign pointing us to the truth of God. So Cindy, you have been reading something lately and a particular word kept coming up for you when we were preparing for today. Can you please talk some more about it? Sure, I'd be happy to. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I read this book, Life Creative, inspiration for today's Renaissance mom. That's you. (laughs) And the word is sanctification. Uh, The authors defined sanctification as the state of being set apart for the particular use intended by the designer, being set apart as holy or sacred. Sanctification is the art of drawing away from this world in order to live transformed Christ-like lives. 
There's a lot that can be said on the word sanctification and its meaning. But in essence, the Bible tells us that we have been set apart and made holy through Jesus Christ. Therefore, the work we do is also sanctified and holy for God's glory. It made me think about my story and my past, and things started to make sense for me. So with that, can you give us some of your background for, since this is your first time up here, not everybody except for this row right here (laughs) might know you very well and what your story is? Sure. (laughs) So um, when I was younger, it may be hard for you to believe who only, people who only know me as a mom to Maggie and Jason, but when I was growing up and in high school and college and as a young adult, I was considered an artsy person, crafty, creative. Um, I had some great influences in my life. My mom, who uh, always had projects going on, she, was, she sews, she loves to cross-stitch, she wallpapered several rooms of our house growing up. That's like a commitment, by the way. That's not just something, <laughs> oh, I'll do this project and then I can forget about it. That is full-on, I have to live with this. So well done. Yeah. <laughs> it was back in the 80s, but you know, <laughs> wallpapering. Um, I also admired her sister, my Aunt Sharon, and she gave me, she was an art teacher, and she gave me one of my most favorite gifts growing up, which was a plastic caddy for cleaning supplies, but inside of it was filled with tiny little crafting supplies, like puffballs and rickrack and glitter and... Every mother's bane, but every kid's like, It was so fun. (laughs) So I experimented with all those little things, and we just always had supplies laying around the house, so... I just was always playing and making something, and um, I was encouraged to be creative. I was, uh, the creative arts were valued in my family. Oh, and I also played piano. I took piano lessons my whole childhood. Um, That's for another day to get into. (laughs) I will not play piano today. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm else right there. No. Um, Yeah, so I was always encouraged to express myself. Uh, I fell back on my creative skills in college when searching for the right major. I ended up as an art studio major with a concentration in graphic design. Uh, You guys, I had three-hour studio classes devoted to painting. Like, that's hard for me to even fathom now in my, as my life is now. But at the time, I didn't appreciate all that undivided attention devoted to creativity, and it sometimes even stressed me out. It felt like a chore. Yeah, when it's for a grade. Yeah, I was and graded. And it's not something that you're like, yeah, I want to paint pears right. in a bowl. I had a deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I realized that my motivation and my purpose was practical and somewhat selfish, to build a marketable skill to get a job after college. And I did. For almost 10 years, I worked as a graphic designer in advertising and marketing the longest stretch being for a local automotive company. So what was that like for you? Do you have a passion for automotive advertising Mm. or did that feel like a little bit stifling? What was that like? It was a job. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It stayed at work, but it allowed me to do other more fun things at home. Okay. Uh, And then when my daughter Maggie was born, it was important to my husband and I that I stay home with her. And so here I am now, a stay-at-home mom of two kids. I have not opened Adobe InDesign for years. Maggie's seven and a half, so just about that long. Like you have less time and <laughs> less, you know, free hands to do stuff. And the only time I break out the paintbrushes is to like guide a kid's project. So I've almost completely shut out my craftiness. Okay. So with all this background, you brought us up through marriage and children. What's going on with faith during this time? 
so I grew up going to Sunday school, and I went, in college, then I only went to church on Christmas and Easter. I did call myself a Christian, but I certainly didn't live like one. I um, returned to the church about four years ago, and Brian and I started attending New Hope. Yay. <laughs> and I've been growing in my faith. I've started to build a relationship with God that continues to grow, and my faith has never been stronger. Like most of you, I've heard the gospel message many times. I hear it, and I think, wow, like what an incredible gift God has given us. Um, I hear it, and I get it, you know, and then I hear it again, and I read the Bible again, and I listen to worship songs again, and it hits me in a different and more profound way each time, again and again, like layers being peeled back each time, seeing more and more clearly the message and the meaning of the gospel. Like you said, you're growing. Yes. I have a long way to go, um, but the beautiful thing is that I have started to build a relationship with God that continues to grow. Um, However, something feels like it's missing. What's missing? (laughs) Okay, so let's review. In the past, I had lots of time to devote to creativity and artwork, but it felt like something was missing. I was lacking in my faith. Um, All of the creating I was doing was not for the glory of God. Now, my faith is stronger than ever, but it feels like something is missing. I'm, I'm not using my creative skills anymore. Uh, when on the very rare occasion that I pick up a pencil to draw or sit down and play a piece at the piano or break out the sewing machine, there's such a sense of peace. It fills me with gratitude and points me to God. That's sort of refreshing. It feels like oh, coming up for breath after, like, being underwater or something like that. If you're, right. in this instance, if you're an artsy, crafty person, getting to that, like, the outlet or whatever your creative outlet is, like going, oh, it's been so long since I've done this. Why, why did I put it off so long? It can feel like utter relief. Exactly. I'm realizing that expressing myself creatively is actually a way of expressing God. It's a form of worship a way that God can use me for his good and to draw me nearer to him. I shouldn't deny myself the opportunity to worship God creatively by thinking it's a waste of time or insignificant. We all need to prioritize the things that we spend our time on, like feeding our families, (laughs) exercising, you know, or homework with the kids. Like all of these are very important, but worshiping God should be really high on that list. Um, historically, when you hear from people, people on the pulpit here at New Hope, God, um, God, I mean, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe is asking them to speak on something that they're knowledgeable about. In my case, I am certainly not an expert. But I like that Joe said, talking from their wisdom, that was like, that was uh, nice, because like, I mean, who, theologically, who is an expert? Like Joe, Jason Poling. Yeah. So. But I'm learning. The rest of us are just growing and learning. Yes. I'm learning and growing, and and maybe that will be helpful for someone else. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a really important posture for creativity, for anybody, being humble and saying, I don't know everything. I have a long way to go. Even, like, as a beginner, being willing to fail and, like, keep trying until you get better and trying, you know, another, the next skill up and getting better. Um, not saying, well, I can't do any of this. I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we don't have all the answers, but I, I know someone who does. And God, real God. <laughs> Joe has a lot of answers, but <laughs> God has all the answers. Uh, and I pray to God every morning. I pray that he breathes through me and shines his light through the work that I'm doing. 
you, you said something before that struck me about selfish expression as opposed to self-expression. Um, and I think it's also a big deal when we realize that enjoying beauty, using our creativity without guilt, without feeling, oh, this is, I shouldn't be doing this, there's way more important things to do. It's really important because Joe mentioned the fruits of the spirit earlier. Being fruitful is not the same thing as being productive. Like, I gotta do this thing and then I'm gonna sell it or I'm going to, you know, I have this marketable skill. It's not about the bottom line all the time. Some, this is not time wasted and like having your talent doesn't have to be your job. We can still glorify God. We can still feel his presence. It doesn't have to be nonstop like I must sing only worship songs or I can't read something for pleasure or whatever unless it's, I have to be reading a, a theology essay. I have to be, some people find this pleasurable. Some people find it an assignment, and that's okay. We can still glorify God with the creativity that comes through us naturally. There, we have talked about there are some big, urgent things happening in the world right now, anniversaries of things. And you can think of things on a global scale like that, right down to what's happening in your personal life, in your home, in your job, in your you know family. If we're putting creativity into the context of being something that is life-giving in our everyday lives. What does that make the opposite? If we're talking artsy-craftsy, it's like, oh, unimaginative or dull or something like that, but we took that over to the side. The opposite of creativity is destruction. Sometimes that very quality seems really, really easy when we're angry and destructive words just kind of slip out of our mouths or through our typing fingers destruction can easily sneak into our homes and into our relationships and into our bodies. And we carry this very human brokenness around with us. Yet, says N.T. Wright, into this brokenness comes a God who seems to care deeply about beauty. A God who, according to the Bible, created the heavens and the earth to tell of his glory. Not because he needed us to admire that glory, but because the glory was a true outflowing of his own generous love. What's more, this God dares to whisper to us, even in the midst of our fractured world, that we are created in his own image and that this God-reflecting vocation can be and is being restored. In Ephesians 2, Paul writes, and I'm going to read from the message version because I really liked it. <laughs> it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us, and then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. And continuing on, now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. 
So it's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role at all. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we do the whole thing. That sounds pretty selfish expression rather than selfish expression. <clears throat> so we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing where Paul says creates there, it's the Greek word for workmanship or masterpiece, poema. So we talked before, Eden is the blueprint for creation. This is what God laid out and said, this is good. This is how I want it. Later on, the tabernacle, the way that God gave instructions. Here's this blueprint for how I want my house to be, how I want you to make prepare the way to live with me and worship with me. So Jesus is the blueprint, all those signposts that we're talking about pointing to him. This is the way to be the masterpiece that God created you to be. Take a second, quietly, think about like the most incredible piece of art, your favorite painting or song, something that makes you go, just stop and wow. Or think about the most beautiful place you've ever been, whether it's a national park or, you know, the most beautiful moment you've ever had, maybe holding your child for the first time. Whether you think of it as a, a thin place where you glimpse heaven more easily or whether it is, you know, the lifting of the veil or just you say, God is here with me. I've, I've encountered him. These are all masterpieces. We don't have them all the time, but when we do, it feels like this is the way that things are supposed to be. I can feel it here. This is the for real thing. This is the not broken thing. When we deny our creativity in whatever form it is, our gifts from God, whether it's making or doing or any of the fruits of the spirit that work through us, all of those immense gifts that we're capable of, if we deny those things, if we say it's not worth it, or I'm not good enough at it, or I'm really embarrassed by it, or I'm just too angry to let that through right now, it's like we're taking that blueprint and going, so God's workmanship, his poema, in the book that Cindy's been reading, Life Creative, it says, for we are his created, testifying in all we do, in all we say, in all we create, his art, his masterpiece, his poema. You, and this is not my words, I'm directly quoting from this because it's so good, so don't think it's me. You are the gospel, the portrait of a saved life, bearing light in your home, there in your local community, and out into the world in the way that you do business. That is enough. You don't have to try and be like someone else or do someone else's way of being creative. As God's re redeemed child, you are perfectly marvelous exactly how God made you and through the exact medium of however he inspires you today. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Holy Father, your creation is incredible. 
Thank you for showing us the importance of creativity and beauty in this world. Thank you for using beauty to remind us and point to your presence. Through Jesus Christ, you have sanctified us to be holy. Help us to use your gifts to your glory. Let everything our hands create, let all the work we do, glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>